When you go on holiday, there is no finer achievement than doing absolutely nothing. Nothing on the beach, nothing by the pool. Walking kind of nowhere and chatting about nothing. As an Expedia member, you can save up to 30% when you add a hotel to your flight. So you can have a bit more money to go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing. Expedia. Made to travel. If I'm going to lose my sushi virginity, then I want to, yeah, do it right. Hey there, I'm Arden. And I'm Will. And you're listening to Crash on My Couch, a one-stop shop for all of that fun information that you'll need to use to talk to your weird uncle. On this week's episode, we talk about whether or not you come out of the womb craving burgers and fries. We're going to ruin all your beloved lovely cartoons you used to watch as a kid. We're going to tell you how much it might cost to get Will Derbyshire to snuggle you. A lot. And how do I confront my overly strict parents about sex? Well, hello, guys. Welcome back. Hi, Will. Hello, Arden. Welcome (laughs) back, guys. (laughs) How are you doing this morning? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Will just got back from London. You've been back for like a week, right? Um, so we're still feeling a little tiny bit of the jet lag. Still, still very much in it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like halfway through, I think. Three quarters of the way through. Yeah. Well, I mean, was it yesterday or two days ago that you woke up at 5 a.m. to take a shower while yeah, I was and still then sleeping? I, and then I got back into bed. And I didn't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> it just shows that a murderer could get into my house so easily and I would still be asleep by the time that I had been like sufficiently murdered. Because I didn't even notice <laughs> that you had gotten up to take a yeah. full shower. Yeah, yeah, You can hear the shower from my bed. Had like a conversation. Had no had idea. Yeah. That's like a common thing for us, though. I always have conversations in my sleep. Yeah, you do. Especially when I'm tired, though. So I maybe like even now I might. I might be sleep talking right now. I don't even know. Yeah, we might. We both might be <laughs> sleeping right now, for all I know. Um, you do talk in your sleep a lot. Yeah. I think it's when you're just like really, really tired, though. Mm. You know. I think it's like my over politeness being southern coming out because I'm like I feel so bad about not having a conversation with you even <laughs> in my sleep that I overcompensate yeah, and yeah, talk yeah. in my sleep to you to be like, oh hey. It's more so that you you go to sleep. Like, you're full of sleep. You have a conversation You have a nap, and that's when you start talking. It's yeah. bad. Well, now I know it's genetic, though, because my mom does it, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of naps, oh, my God, this is the perfect segue into our first segment <laughs> of today. Um, we're going to talk about what our new favorite job is and what Will is hopefully going to pay me to do from now on. And uh, that's being a professional snuggler. Yeah. And we're going to talk about being a professional snuggler in our next segment. That's a job. That's a job. Ah, That's That's a a job. So recently, Will and I were looking at a list of things on lifehack.com that was talking about the coolest jobs you can have nowadays. And one in particular that I think Will is now super excited about is what, Will? Is is a professional snuggler. (gasps) Snuggle. Yeah. What does that entail exactly? Uh, I mean, it constitutes snuggling. Ooh. Now, what are the criteria of snuggling. I don't know, this is this is, so. This is the big question here. Like, what how, what do you dictate as snuggling? Also, yeah. yeah. When does it cross a line? Like, is is butt to crotch snuggling, or is that like an extra twenty bucks? Yeah. You know what I mean? Is it just a like a light hold around? Where did this start? What's like, what the deal? You, well, I guess it started. I started in Japan. Okay. Which 
I mean, we probably could have guessed. Uh, and then they... I'm sorry, are we doing What the Fuck Japan right now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they've they've made a place in Wisconsin now. Oh, uh, the friendliest. The Snuggle House. <gasps> Wisconsin's also known for cheese. So if I can go and get snuggled for an hour and eat cheese the at the same time. The Snuggle House looks like and sounds like the softest, the most comfortable place in the world, doesn't it? Oh, my god! There's just pillows everywhere. I'm just into it. We were reading about it, and it said that it's $60 for an hour of snuggling, supposedly. I don't know if that's a universal rate, so like if every snuggler shakes hand and goes, $60 for an hour. But that means that per minute, it's a dollar per minute per snuggle. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive snuggling. It is. I just realized you should probably be paying me a lot more to snuggle you. I mean, snuggling usually just means, like, Comfort. spooning, right? right? I would think so, but is there, like, do they have different techniques? Like, is there, you know, because, like, in a way, this snuggling, being a professional snuggler, is, like, a low-key version of prostitution, isn't it? Because you're selling your body to someone else <laughs> to, to fill a need. Right. Which, even if it's emotional, it's still filling a need. Yeah, I suppose. Right? So you're giving yourself up. I don't know. Maybe that's crossing an ethical line. But <laughs> but I feel like that's really interesting. I wonder what the demographic of people cuz I feel like a lot of times prostitution is primarily a male yeah thing that's like that realm is played around in much more of like a male way. Although in a snuggling situation, I feel like that's a primarily female clientele. I suppose. I I wonder how you go about it though. Like do you just go in and you just there's a bed and then like well, let's get to it. <laughs> And you That's lie so down weird. and then someone comes and spoons you. Is oh. that how it works? Do, you, do they whisper like sweet nothings in your ear like, don't worry about it. Your mom's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like do they? Do you give them a brief beforehand and it's like almost like a therapy session as well? Or it is it strictly be. snuggling? That, that wouldn't be a bad idea. That's extra. And a back scratch. Throw a back scratch in there and then we're laughing really. That's what we were – so Will and I were talking about this last night actually. And Will was saying that it's great that people are snugglers and like that's fine and dandy. But all Will really wants – is a robot to scratch him yeah. constantly, like a back scratching robot. Of I sorts. love back scratches. You will. I don't do know anything. anyone that doesn't like a back scratch. I'll be laying on the couch, and Will will like nuzzle his head and or body into my hand while it's doing something else, just to get a <laughs> scratch out of me. So this boy knows what it's like to get a good scratch. Um, <laughs> but no, I wonder what that would look like though, because like I see the pay sheet of snuggling being like. $50, 30 minutes of cuddling with butt-to-crotch contact, right. full arm embrace. Yeah. So both arms wrapped around the chest of the other person. Yeah. Like that's a full-blown snuggle. That probably costs a lot of money. There's probably one where it's just rubbing your arm lightly, and that's like $20 Yeah. for like an hour. And then maybe there's one that's like a super deluxe package where you're getting snuggled in a really comfortable bed, and you write a list of the things you're insecure about or you don't feel good about in your life, and they reaffirm all of your beliefs in yourself. Yeah. Do you you think that a lot of the people fall asleep? I would. I mean, you'd have to, right? (laughs) Maybe that's the super deluxe thing. Like people, you You get to take a nap. (laughs) Get to yeah, you just get to sleep. But then why would you just sleep at home? I know. Isn't that kind of sad (laughs) that you get really comfortable and then you you go no no. And then you, you go up, and then you wake up, and it's You're, time to bounce. See that there's there's a sadness in the snuggling business, much like the prostitution business. It is the, <laughs> the snuggling business is is an untapped resource, uh, and I've one to believe in it. Oh my gosh, no! But we do need to start up our scritched business, yeah. which, which by the way, we call our back scratchings scritchings because scritchings. that's what 
we have devolved that word into. Yeah. Scritches. So Will got some scritches this morning. So <laughs> if you could please pay me $20 and or the valet parking that we just paid for, <laughs> that would be great. But yeah, you know, if, if all this doesn't work out, I would not be opposed to just spooning someone for an hour for, yeah. for 60 bucks. I don't know about you, but I feel like also I feel like there's a benefit to the snuggler. Like, I love being the big spoon. Really? Yeah, I really do. I love being your little jetpack. Little jetpack. That's what, isn't that what it's called? When, like, a real small girl tries to snuggle something real tall? <laughs> you want your little jetpack? <laughs> little jetpack, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, you're strapped on. You got, like, it's like you got backpack That's sweet. straps. That's cute. Yeah. I'll be your little jetpack any day. <laughs> so, we would love to know if you guys have any snuggling job related answers to our questions like has anyone experienced the snuggling have you paid for a snuggling session have you been near a snuggling place i once again this feels like it's like a prostitution thing i know it's not but i'm just curious you know if you have any information we'd love to hear from you if you could leave a voicemail at 424-262-6824 that's 424-262-6824 we would love to hear your experiences with the snuggles, would you With pay the for snuggles? Yeah, would you pay for snuggles? Would you participate and get paid for snuggles? Yeah, would you be the snuggly or the snuggler? <laughs> That's what it comes down to, you know. I love it. Um, but yeah, please send us a, a, a voicemail if you have anything to add to this. Or you could tweet us at Ardenrose or at Will Derbyshire with hashtag crash on my couch. So let us know nice. what your deal is with snuggling. We want to know. And scritchins. And scritchins. How much should I be charging Will for scritches? Let me know. So I think we're all innately born with the need and the want for some cuddles. Yes. But the real question is, are we born wanting to eat healthy food? That's the question. That's the question. And we're going to answer it on our next segment. Go science! Go science! Go Go science. science! So... Recently, Will and I were reading an article. What was the website called, though? Discovermagazine.com. Okay. So on discovermagazine.com, they did a whole article about whether or not we are born to eat healthy. Like from birth, do we care about carrots or do we hate peas from birth? Like do we have preferences when we're younger for what we want to eat? Because like, for instance, Will is admittedly a pretty picky eater. I am. You like certain things and you do not like certain other things. Yes. And I am kind of the opposite in the sense that I will eat anything. But now I've gotten to the point where I restrict myself a little bit more and I have like a tighter diet than I would say even Will does. Yes. Yeah. I'd I never say s- we're both picky. Yeah. We're both picky in our own ways. Like I'm a health nut now – Used to not be. And I just love donuts. And you, you love know. donuts. You're also thin as a rail, which does – it just defies logic to me. <laughs> um, but either way, getting back to what we're talking about, though. So this study was done in the 80s, question mark? Can you give a little information, uh, backstory yeah, so, on this? So the article is just, I guess, posing that question. And that, that goes into the specifics of an experiment which happened in the early 20s, I oh, think. Oh, wow. Yeah, a while ago. Tw- 1926. Uh, and this woman called Clara Davis, which was, I think she was a pediatrician. She basically did a study where she got a load of babies and put them into a room. Where did she get these babies? Uh, uh, from a variety of different places, actually. I think she got them from, like, orphanages. and. Uh, My question is, was it the 1920s standard of, like, they're not going to miss them. Let's take them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll grab those infants. <laughs> 
we're gonna feed them some weird <laughs> shit. Um, so anyway, they they took all these babies and they put them in a room and they basically like gave them free reign to eat only what they wanted to eat. So they had like a variety of different foods in front of them, and then the baby would like point or pick, and then the person would like spoon feed it to them. So the idea was to see, I guess, if babies were in control of what they were going to eat. And like if they had a preference behind, yeah. like... And she she would revisit them, like, a couple of years later to see how that's, like, changed and developed. And the people inside the room wouldn't, like, point to anything. It would just be down to them. And from the variety that I saw, because I, I read the article with you, it was things like minced liver or... Bone marrow was Bone one. marrow. Yeah. yeah, like, crazy stuff. And from what we read, the babies would... They were indiscriminate. They would eat literally anything. Yeah. Like from a very early age. And then once they checked back, I think a year or two later, only one kid had a predisposition to not liking spinach. Like, Yeah, I think it goes to show that like the infants they were using kind of liked everything. And that yeah. they didn't really have a, a predetermined idea about stuff, you know? Yeah. So pickiness is not – because I know like at the beginning of the article it was talking about how so many people think pickiness is like a – hereditary trait like you're picky because your grandfather was picky or like your mother was super picky and didn't like carrots so you're not gonna like carrots yeah well they used an example where they were were i think they were talking about spinach and how like when kids are younger spinach is one of those things where like ooh, that's gross like i don't like it's like known in our culture as well as something that people are supposed to think yeah yeah yeah. so if you're someone who's going to be like susceptible to learning that information and being like of course spinach is disgusting billy hates spinach too yeah then you're probably going to not like spinach exactly not not because you wouldn't innately dislike it but just because you're taught you shouldn't exactly exactly i wonder how that is with like sugar and stuff though because i feel like we're predisposed to like like, the reason why we like sugar is because in the wild, sugar was a rarity. And now, since it's in such abundance, we get, like, addicted to it. So I wonder, as a baby, if you, like, if someone gave you straight-up rock candy or bone marrow right next to each other, <laughs> like, are you going to go for the rock candy? I, th- I think I think the answer is no. I think you probably have tastes and you like and prefer different things. But you like anything, really, and unless you grow up in a certain way and you're told to not like something or... Uh, your family has a certain way of eating things, or they like something, then I think your opinions change based on that. I love hearing that, though, because I'm a terrible person, and, like, when I hear someone's a picky eater, like, you you did a good job of concealing the fact that you were a picky eater for a good, like, seven <laughs> months until you got a little too comfortable, and then it was revealed yeah, yeah, yeah. that you like burgers and fries more than anything else in the entire world. Like, I mean, who doesn't, though? I know, but it's such a good, it's such a typical picky eater thing to love. Um, whereas I'm like, what shave? Brussels sprouts with dates that sounds amazing like I think you did a good job of hiding it and now that I know that picky eating is not something that like you're not genetically predisposed I'm gonna make you eat some weird shit yeah I'm gonna make you eat some stuff the other night Will and I were watching Euro Dreams of Sushi which is an amazing documentary on Netflix if you want to check it out but for the first time and I think your entire life you are slightly attracted to the idea of eating sushi yeah but I don't I, – I haven't had sushi. I don't eat sushi. See, that's the thing. But You've now I want sushi. It. Yeah. More than anything. Do you really? Yeah, let's, we should go. But because we went to a sushi place last night and I, I – there was obviously sushi there. But I didn't want it there because I, I wasn't sure if the restaurant was like the best place to have it. You wanted to lose your like, if I'm fishy go- virginity If I'm going to lose my sushi virginity, then I want to, yeah, do it right. You want to do it right. Sugarfish. 
you keep talking about Sugarfish, right? Yeah, no, That's if the, you live... Like, the elusive sushi place in L.A. <laughs> yeah, no, if you live in, like, um, in L.A. or around this area, Sugarfish is, like, the place that, like, every basic bitch it loves, sounds tasty. loves Sugarfish. It's delicious. Like, yeah. the, the the people behind it, um, oh, I think they also do Nobu, maybe? I might be wrong about that. Um I'm looking at our, like, way fancier producer to tell us that it is, in fact, owned by the same people that make <laughs> Nobu. Um, but, no, it's, like, a really, really good sushi place. I will say, though, like, I don't know if it'll be anywhere near Euro Dreams of Sushi sushi yeah, restaurant, yeah. but it does look pretty good. So, for a picky person, you're, you'll at least try. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. You know. So, there you go. You're not predisposed. You don't hate fish. You exactly. just haven't tried it before. Exactly. You're not one of them babies that doesn't like spinach. One of them babies? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think it's it's an interesting topic, an interesting discussion, you know, because people are picky eaters. I am a picky eater. Yeah. You are a picky eater, but yeah. you eat any, anything really. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to know that, like, I guess the bare bones of it is that... It's personal preference taught later on. Yeah, it's personal preference. So that means that when we have kids, ultimately, since obviously I'm already planning that out. Right. You know, when we do, I'm going to make them eat some weird ass shit. Just so they won't have any Great. picky predisposition to not liking something. Good. They're going to get real used to like yeah. some weird stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. And then you're going to have to eat it because they're going to crave it. And they're going to be like, Daddy, Daddy, come get eat this. Come get bone marrow soup with us. And you're going to be like, bone where did you soup. learn this? And okay. they're going to be like, Mom had us yeah. eat it and it was delicious. Still going. Okay. Yeah. So just be prepped for that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's your future. I want you to know. Great. You're going to be raising very... Like wild children, wild, wild. Yeah, they just they're just eating out there. mushrooms out of the what? ground outside. What? The, That's not good know. for you. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> um, but speaking of children, I think it's time that we pretty much ruin all of your favorite childhood cartoons in our next amazing segment. Conspiracy camp. Whoop whoop. Crazy. Crazy, which is the segment in which we explore some crazy conspiracy theories. And today in particular, we're going to focus on fan theories. Which, and cartoon fan theories, and cartoon more, more specifically. Fan theories. And I would like to focus, I don't know about you, but I'm really interested. I mean, we know how much I love Japanese culture and how much I love Hayao Miyazaki and all of that. So I want to focus on one in particular. Yeah. Which is the idea that My Neighbor Totoro is about a double murder in japan yeah, yeah <laughs> which is upsetting there are so many upsetting theories but once you read them you're like it kind of ruins it for you doesn't you're like yeah like am i crazy <laughs> i can't enjoy anything anymore without yeah. having like an ulterior meaning so all these fan theories came from crack.com mm. which um, crack.com will ruin your life yeah crack.com has a bunch of crazy stuff on that. Yeah, but it's super fun, but it'll ruin your life if you just, like, sit there. It's, it's similar to BuzzFeed, where you can get into, like, this terrible, just an repeating abyss. loop, a, yeah. abyss of amazing content over and over again that just, like, kind of keeps you interested because it's so clickbait. Anyways, so that's me promoting crack.com. But uh, <laughs> we should definitely talk about these fan theories. So we got it from there. They so, do a list. Yeah, and that, there was five different ones, but the big one, which the one you wanted to talk about, was the My Neighbor Todoro one. Yeah, and we can lead up to that if you want. If you have another one that you're passionate about talking about. I mean, there are a few. There's the Hey Arnold one. Which, which I think is, I would talk about that first. Which second. is just as upsetting. I would be down to talk about that. So for everyone who loves Hey Arnold, guess what? It's all about Helga Pataki. 
Yeah, so Helga, Helga Pataki was, was the bully in the show. Yeah. And they're saying that actually Helga Pataki is the protagonist of the show. Because the show's called Hey Arnold, and the person that keeps saying Hey Arnold in the show is Helga Pataki. Interesting. So they reckon it's about her. And be- the reason they say it is because she- her character is really interesting. Like, she has a really weird relationship with her parents, I think. Yeah. And she's, like, in love with Arnold the entire time. Mm-hmm. And it goes on and it sort of, like, dwindles. And apparently the, sh- the show is actually about Helga. And her kind of like, I guess Neuroses. her like, yeah, like her de- disillusion with, yeah, well, with the world. I, I like, I can totally see that, and I can see it written from the perspective of someone who sympathizes with a teenage girl. Yeah, because I think that's what it is. Is it's like this girl who's got a crazy crush on Arnold, even though he's got like a disformed football head. Which whatever, everyone looks deformed in that show, though. So I don't understand why like he gets called out. Like they've got some crazy proportions on their faces. Like he's not <laughs> the only one, but. You know, she has, like, this weird relationship with her dad. What's his name? He's the buzzer king, isn't he? Or the cell phone king? Yeah. And so he's, like, this, like, big man about town, but he kind of neglects his kids and he's never at home. Also, keep in mind, none of this clocked when I was younger. I hated Helga when I was younger. I yeah, was, she like, was awful. She was awful. But then you look at the facts and you're like, damn, I'm an adult because now I'm looking into, like, the psychology behind each of these characters. And I'm like, she did. She was not going to end up well. Yeah. And she, like, I, it's in, I think the, sh- the show is meant to be sort of a recount of, like, what she thinks mm-hmm. of, of Arnold. Like, because Arnold's the protagonist. And so Arnold's the protagonist in her mind. Yeah. Know? And like, he's, like, this happy-go-lucky guy who, like, doesn't really have any issues other than the fact that, oh, obviously he has issues. But, like, he's got kind of a happy life and he's dealt with the fact that his parents are kind of gone. He lives with his grandparents. Yeah. And uh, he's, like, fine and dandy. And then also, like, to bring it back to Helga a little bit, her mom is, like, a heavy drinker. And I once again, <laughs> never – why would they put that in a kid's show? But, I know, like, I know. It's that co-viewing thing. I think they wanted parents to watch it and be like, oh, she's an alcoholic, all right. But, like, it's depressing stuff like that where you're like, poor girl has to deal with so many different issues in her life. And then she has this unrequited love for Arnold that she won't ever talk about, but she makes, like, a shrine about him. So yeah, she's clearly so got weird. She, she bottles so things bizarre up. in retrospect. She's got some weird issues, but that's why I love her because she's such a weird character. But I do, I consider her the protagonist of that show. So uh, another theory was about Dexter Laboratory. Oh, uh, gosh. Which is that Dexter has Asperger's Syndrome. Really? And, and it kind of stems from the way Dexter carries himself. I mean, he's he's a bizarre character, isn't he? Yeah. But is it him being bizarre for the sake of, like, a cartoon creator just wanting to be bizarre? Like, does that have to be, like, a mental disorder? Or can it just be a wacky cartoon? Why did someone have to say, like, he has a disorder? Like, why would someone say that? I don't know. I think it's, well, there's a couple different facts. One of them is that uh, he has, like, this kind of baffling pseudo-Austrian accent. That's true. He does have a really weird Uh, accent. But how does that relate to Asperger's? A lot of people with this condition sound like foreigners to their own families because they mimic words. It's basically like Dexter has sort of like this weird view of the world. Like he never leaves his laboratory and like he spends all his time in there. And like if he had it his way, he wouldn't interact with anyone else. Mm. And like it all seems like really... So he really likes to keep to himself. Really dramatic. And that tends to fall into those categories of like being on a spectrum of some sort. That's interesting. Although then on the other hand, is it because he's a genius... And a lot of geniuses have trouble interacting with people. Maybe. I don't know. Like, I hear that Bill Gates does not like to talk to people. Asperger's is a very big 
big overarching yeah, statement. Yeah, it's a big leap to take. Yeah. Like, I don't think I would pin any cartoon character with like a mental disorder unless, yeah. unless it was explicitly, explicitly said. Explicitly said, yeah. Yeah, so so whoever came up with that fan Although theory, I do want to know why he has an Austrian accent. Yeah, why does he sound like that? Because that's actually <laughs> actually really weird in retrospect if you think about it. <laughs> He's an oddity. Doody. Doody. He sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger, doesn't he? Kind of. Doody. But he's German, isn't he? No, where's Arnold Schwarzenegger from? Is he Austrian? There you go. Oh my Boom. gosh, you you did so well just then. So the last theory, which is the biggest one, really, because this film is so sweet that... It's upsetting what they've done to it. Yeah, like, it kind of ruins the film, in a way, is My Neighbor Totoro. And supposedly the film, which is a Hayao Miyazaki film, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's like an anime it's amazing. Go watch it right now. Uh, it's my favorite movie of all time. It's it's by the guys at Studio Ghibli in Japan. Anyway, it's a really pretty film. It's about two girls like suffering with their mother who's ill, I guess. Yeah. They they move to like this new area of Japan that they're not really comfortable with. It's kind of like the countryside because they need to be closer to their mother who's in a hospital. Yeah. And their their dad gets like a job in the city, so he's not around a lot. And it ends up just being like this story about two girls kind of discovering how to be happy and like accept their life situation yeah. through meeting these like crazy characters like Totoro who's yeah, supposedly yeah who's supposedly like the protector of the forest and it's just like a very heartwarming lovely film and then crack.com had to ruin it yeah and then supposedly crack.com reckons that the film is based off an incident that happened in Japan called the Sayama incident which it looks like it was something that happened in the 60s and what happened was a man kidnapped and murdered a 16-year-old girl. Oh. And later the girl's older sister committed suicide. Oh. And supposedly they reckon that the two girls in My Name Totoro are based off these two girls. How? Give me the explanation because I am pierced at well, this. So first they say the sister's names in the movie are related to the month of May. Uh, Satsuki is May in Japanese. And then she also has a sister called May in the film, which sounds like May. Second, the movie doesn't take place in Siama, but it's in the same area, and at one point you see the word Siama on a box of tea. Interesting. And then the big point is that, I guess, well, if you can call it a big point. So in the film, one of the girls gets lost, and the older sister's trying to find her. She calls out for someone to take her to her sister. So this giant bus appears, and it's like this giant Which cat. is the cutest thing in the entire world, and it needs to be a real thing, and I'm upset that it's not a real thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, so cat bus appears, and then on the front of the cat bus, it says Grave Road, which is creepy. Does uh, it really? Yeah. What? So it's, supposedly it's the whole film is sort of set in like sort of an afterlife. Like one of the girls dies, the other sister tries to find her, and she ends up dying sort of from the grief of it. And they're in sort of a spirit world, and that's why all and these that's why they meet appear. all of the amazing people in the forest, and yeah. they get to snuggle with Totoro, which probably cost them more than sixty dollars an hour. Probably, that's it. So I'm so mad. Don't ruin things for me like this. Yeah, so it's upsetting, you know. I don't. Be- I'm blocking out all of that information in my head right now. Like as you've said it, I've been clearing my mind, making sure I do not remember anything. You. I just feel said. like people just try and put dark spins on things. They love know? making things dark and like, upsetting. We could we could come up with with one now. Like pick a cartoon. Okay, let's do like well, a '90s cartoon. Mm, Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. So they're a genetic nightmare. Yeah. They're terrifying genetic nightmares. What if the Powerpuff Girls actually are the villains? Yeah. What if it's all a twist? Like Mojo Jojo is actually a really nice guy. And he's just and trying to live his life. And the Amoeba are really nice. And they're just trying to live life. Yeah. And that devil thing that's terrifying looking. He's really weird. He's really scary. Yeah, that's really creepy. 
Yeah, they're all just like Frankenstein's. Mm. Like Professor X like made these like horrific <gasps> girls which what just if... like terrorize everyone. But here's so second thought on that cuz I like that. Tell me. I really like that. What if Professor X created everyone and like just decided to have an all out like war between them. So he made the power of girls and he was like, "You know what? Mojo Jojo. Yeah. Pop on out there. Have a fight." And so he's just playing a giant chess game with all of his evil little creations. Professor X is actually like this crazy man. scientist. Madman. Yeah. Yep. He's not the slick looking pointy chinned guy. Debonair. I yeah. had a crush on him when I was little. I mean he was a good looking dude. Daddy. And now he's a mad scientist. <laughs> so there you go. He just called Professor X a daddy. Oh, and moving on. He is a daddy, supposedly. He's literally a dad. E. He's a crazy daddy. So there we go. Daughter. There's a theory. Now we can we can write that. <laughs> Uh, or, or just even more, the the big theory, which everyone does for every cartoon, is like they're all dead. That's always the theory. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, I'm getting really uh, worked <laughs> up about this, but why is that always the theory that they're all dead? It's like you couldn't think they're of anything dead. else other than like, well, they're dead. Yeah. Like death is inevitable. It's in a post-apocalyptic death. world. Yeah, nihilist, post-apocalyptic, dead world. Yeah, and I will finish off the segment with something crazy, which I know. Ooh. So there's a show called Samurai Jack, which you've seen. Have I you seen some, that? Yeah. It's on Cartoon Network. It's like, it was on Cartoon no, Network. No, 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 no. Samurai yeah. Jack. And it was like this guy called Samurai Jack that would like fight against weird mythical things. He was sick. I just remember him going across that bridge. Yeah. Do you remember that one episode where he's wearing the hat and he goes across the bridge and he has to fight that giant dragon lord Yeah, he's, just, he's fighting just giant things all the time. Oh, he's so cool. So he's a badass. Also had a crush on him. But and in one of the episodes, like walking through like this big wasteland... And then you see in the background, there is the remnants of the city of Townsville from the Powerpuff Girls. What? It's like It's like a run-down Townsville. So Cartoon Network was so working in the same Samurai universe. Jack is set in the future in an apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic world. It's in the same universe as Powerpuff Girls? Yeah. <gasps> and that's facts, because you can see it in the background. It's exactly the same skyline, but it's just like crumbly. Crumbled. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now, here's the real question. Was that an animator being really lazy and just deciding to use an old animation from Powerpuff Girls? Or did they do it intentionally? I think they did it intentionally because the show is meant to be set in the future. So you tend to think that all these things are intentional, that like writers and stuff are wanting to give information in this like undercover way but i'm way too black and white for that like i don't believe any of that shit like i feel like so much of it is so unintentional like there's no way that someone can delve into the storyline and the plot that far and come up with something like they have they have nine to five jobs like do they really care that much about like whether you're gonna see townsville in the background or was it just because they were pressed for time and wanted to use an old animation from cartoon network studios you know what i mean i mean maybe but i i seem to think there are a few exceptions where they, they do it deliberately. Like, the Samurai Jack thing, well, I think it's deliberate. Right. Because it would be a really weird thing to stick in the background otherwise. Okay. Uh, but there, there are some which I think, if there is a fan theory, I think it's just, like, been made up, I guess. Like, tell me that the Totoro one is just not real. Yeah, I mean that seems stupid and I hate it. I mean, yeah, it is stupid. <laughs> like, I don't, think, I don't think that can be real. Like, have you heard about the Adventure Time one where it's, like, the whole show is set in a post-apocalyptic world. See, here's the thing, though. This that that's where I can end my like irritation with the, like people over assuming that writers work 
harder than they do. Yeah. Because actually, the writers on Adventure Time, maybe initially they didn't want it to be a post-apocalyptic world. But once people started catching up on that, they made episodes like the Ice King and Marceline operating directly after whatever it was that caused the apocalypse. Like them in this desolate world. Like that explains it. Stuff like the Totoro, like there's this random murder of two girls that happened in the 60s. Like, how does that really correlate? You know what I mean? Yeah, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm a sucker for believing, of wanting to believe there are like bigger theories to shows because I think you love it. I think that's really fun. You love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there was that SpongeBob one where it turned out that like all of the people in SpongeBob were like radiation creations or something. And like, oh no, it was because um, a bomb had landed in Bikini Bottom and, like, blown into a crater. And because of that, it made and spawned all of these weird animals. That would be so interesting, but, like, this is where I have an issue. It's, like, let cartoons be cartoons. Like, they're going to be wacky and stupid regardless. Like, yeah. they're silly and fun, and they don't make sense in a world. So don't try to make sense of them. Like, don't try to make it a post-apocalyptic thing. Don't try to make it something. <laughs> and why is it always after a bomb? Like, can you not explain anything by just saying, like, it was weird? Like, yeah. you have to just, there, there has to be a it's bomb every single time. apocalypse Yeah, it's always like, something was destroyed, and now weird creatures came out of it. It's like, why can't it just be weird creatures, period? <laughs> Full stop. Done. Yeah. You know? Those are my feelings on it, at least. So anyway, it goes to show that, like, a lot of these fan theories are batshit crazy. Yeah. But there are a few which are fact. They were done deliberately. Yep. And um, we're going to explore more of them and probably cry tonight. Okay, so to wrap up this episode, we're going to be finishing off with our favorite segment. Hey, we, we all feel weird, weird sometimes. Yeah. Um, this tends to be one of my favorite segments because we just get to answer all of your loverly questions we have gotten from either the voicemail, which I think I've mentioned previously twice in this episode, <laughs> um, 424-262-6824, or our email, crashonmycouchshow at gmail.com. So for those of you who left us stuff or tweeted us or, you know, left us an amazing voicemail, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. We're so happy to have you on it. So let's hear from a couple of you. Yes. So how do I confront my overly strict parents about sex? They're super religious, but growing up in such an open society about sex is really hard to talk about with them. Help! Well, thank you so much for the question. I feel like we both get this question a lot on our tumblers. That's I mean, yeah, it's it's probably more applicable to you. I love you say that so so poignantly. Because uh, my my uh, your family don't give a fuck. <laughs> my my family don't mind when it comes to sex. I think it's quite an open thing. Yeah, I'm so jealous of you. No, my family should feel r- relatable. My family is exactly like yours, so I'm very sorry. Um, not very sorry. My family's wonderful, but they do live in the South and they are religious, so they tend to have very uh they just have they just have specific views about things yes and they're very passionate about their views so i know where you're coming from 150 percent. and really until i got out of that situation and and kind of like went off on my own i moved to la when i was 18 i won't say like escaped the situation but i knew i didn't want to i my beliefs didn't line up with theirs at all so and i grew up right on the cusp of when everyone was learning stuff online so exact same situation as you and i feel like what i did was i just really leaned into the the educational aspect of the internet and was like able to make my own decisions and make my own 
viewpoints known online. And then you feel like you have an outlet and you don't feel like you're getting judged by people around you as much as you might love your parents and like appreciate them. It can be really hard to be in the same household as someone that doesn't agree with you on nearly anything. So I think that's one of the reasons why I moved out. Not that that's like a good, you know, excuse to go run away at 18. And also religious things aside, like obviously parents have very specific views on sex yeah and their kids talking about sex so absolutely like, you, you are not alone and although it's like a situation you're probably stuck in like i think probably a lot of parents all around the world feel just as awkward about talking to their child about sex yeah as you do yeah and i think like obviously with our culture we're all moving forward and we're just fortunate enough to be on the forefront of learning things before most people were able to learn them you know, in their 20s. Like, we are just capable of learning so much more stuff online. So it makes it harder for parents that are, you know, admittedly pretty old-fashioned or haven't been in the same, like, world as us for as long to understand how we could contemplate, like, the idea of virginity not actually being a thing or, like, not saving yourself for marriage or, like, whatever the situation is. That's something that's so foreign to them that you have to almost feel bad for them that they can't have that same open-mindedness. Like, I think that's where I've come is like, I've been like, I'm so happy that I'm able to just do my own thing and not feel guilty about it after years and years of guilt, like deep guilt. So I totally get where you're coming from, but just realize that people are human and they've lived one style of lifestyle for most of their life, I'm sure. And that's going to be deeply embedded in them. And just because you have a difference of opinion doesn't mean that you can't love each other and support each other, but just be equal but different. And yeah. that's, that's fine. Like, that, that doesn't mean that your opinion is wrong. That doesn't necessarily mean that their opinion is wrong either. It's just that it's just that, just opinion. So, you know, obviously, like, I will never be able to talk to my parents about sex. That's just not going to happen. And so I can't give you any hope from that realm but i think that it entirely depends on what your relationship with your parents looks like like if you have a very open relationship with your parents feel free to try to open a discussion i think i mean i don't know your exact situation but i think you forget that sometimes your your parents are human too like they want to know what's going on in your life i think most parents would rather you be safe than sorry so if it's a question of like wanting more information or wanting an openness with your parents. I don't think there's anything wrong with like trying to have a conversation, but if it's uncomfortable and weird and they're not accepting it, it's also not your fault. Yes. That's I agree with all those things. Okay. Yeah. Sorry for kind of (laughs) like bulldozing into that conversation, but I feel like I have that, those deep rooted issues constantly. So (laughs) that one's worth talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So thank you for your question. Hope that helped at least a little bit. Hey Arden. Hey Will. So I've had an iPhone for about three years, and I've always used it a ton, but lately I've been feeling way attached to it, and I'm kind of scared because I literally get nervous if I don't have my phone for a few minutes. How do I detach myself from my phone and make sure that I am not obsessed? Thank you. That was such a sweet question. Yeah. I completely get it, though. I mean, you def- start off this question. Tell me I what you I suppose with, with, with us, it's, it's different because a lot of the work we do relies on being attached to our phones. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a different thing. That being said, though, there are times where, like, I'm aware of the fact. I guess I'm just overwhelmed by the internet. I'm overwhelmed by social media. And there are times where I'm just like, I don't even want to think about this. And I remember, like, even last year, there were times where, like, 
I would just wouldn't tweet or do anything on Instagram or do anything on Tumblr, do anything on YouTube for like five days or a week. So, so, so I didn't have to do that. Detox. Yeah. And I just wouldn't think about it for that time. And I come away. I still probably look on like Twitter and stuff, but it was it was less about me like participating yeah. in, in the online world. And I think that, that helps me sometimes when I'm like a bit overwhelmed by it. Because, I mean, you're just seeing so many different opinions and you're seeing so many different people talking about so many different things. And It's good to get away sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty overwhelming. Yeah. I'm very bad about just setting my phone down and not looking at it for six hours. Yeah. I, I think that is in response to the fact that I've been doing this YouTube game for nearly seven years now. So I feel like I've been connected to my phone, you know, for quite a while. Uh, and I really love disengaging when I can. Like the thing about your phone is, and and I understand why it's a struggle, it's something that's integral now in our society. Like you can't go somewhere without your phone. Like you need it for mapping stuff out. You need it to look up a review of a restaurant you're going to. You need it to make that reservation for that place. I'm just relating to all the things I did yesterday. But like, you know, you use it for things that you don't even think you would use it for. Now there's an app for everything. Like, there's a, probably an app for, like, teaching you CPR on that moment. Yeah, and you know, you like... Wanna, you want to keep in touch with people you admire and people you like as well. Like, yeah. I have Kanye West on notifications. Right. Admire and love. Because, right. Kanye West because, is good. I mean, that has to happen. You have him on notifications yeah. still? It's me and Kanye West. Yeah, that's it. Wait, no, you took me off notifications, didn't you? Light of my life. No, uh, you, you're still on it. Oh, so is Kanye. I'm, wow, honored. But the point is, <laughs> is that, like, if if you have all these people you aspire to be like, probably not me and Kanye West, because I think that would be crazy. But there are people you like and there are people you want to be like, you, you can just have them now on your phone and you can, like, keep up to date with them and you can be quite connected to the people you like. Yeah. It must be very difficult now for people to, like, for not like, be on their phones. Yeah. Well, and I also feel like it's it's very addicting. Like, you don't want to miss out. Like, I think that's part of it is the fear of missing yeah, out. Yeah, missing out on like, something. Like, that FOMO yeah, where it's yeah. like, if because I, I know what she's thinking about. And from your voice, you sound like you're a probably a cute young teenage girl who really wants to be in touch with her friends and feel like you're always connected. And, and like, your phone is a great way to be really linked in. But I think it can be a double-edged sword when your phone becomes your only source of engagement in something. So if you can somehow give yourself at least like a couple hours in the day or maybe even an hour in the day if that's too much for you where you can just plug your phone in your bedroom, close the door and go into your living room and like read a book or do whatever just so you can get used to the idea of having a separate life from your phone. Yeah, I I think one of the other things which someone said to me the other day and I've been hearing a lot about is like when you go to bed at night, like an hour or two hours before you go to bed, just like don't look at your phone, just yeah. read a book or something. And then Which, when you... admittedly, we're terrible about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we need to get better. And we hear that's way better for you. And in the morning when you get up, if, if you go have a shower or brush your teeth or go make your breakfast, do all of that stuff and then check your phone. Yeah, so it's, which it's, we're also terrible about. It's less, of you, <laughs> it's, it's less of you just like lying in bed looking at stuff on your phone. It's more of you just like getting your day together and you doing stuff and being... Productive. At one with stuff happening. Yeah. Know? Moving your life forward yeah. without your phone being involved. Precisely. So I think yeah. I mean, we need to get into the routine of doing that more. But I think if you did do stuff like that, then you would spend less time worrying about your phone, you know? Totally. Totally. Well, it just becomes less of a headache. Um, like on Twitter, I'll occasionally hear people saying stuff like, oh, I'm so glad I got like a week away from my phone and now I feel so much better and like, it just feels like I don't have this weight on me. And I agree with that in a lot of sense. I think you have to have a huge balance when it comes to technology because now we're living in a society where it is just like 
your phone is a part of you. It fucking talks to you now. One day it's just going to be a microchip in our brain, and then I'm really screwed. But I'll probably be dead before then. Either way. <laughs> nice and morbid. Yeah, nice, nice and morbid. Won't have to, to worry about that one. <laughs> Leave you that, guys. We're going to die someday. <laughs> but thank you for the question. I hope that helped in some way. And go read a book. I know everyone says that. But Go read one of those one of those old those ancient things. Yeah, one of those papyrus books. Go do that. Yeah. But thank you for your question. So the final question we've got today Ooh. Ooh. is from Sasha. Ooh. And she says, Me and my ex broke up almost two years ago and have maintained a good friendship since then. He's dated other people and I've been dating someone for a little over a year now. The past two months, my boyfriend has been very rocky and I've ranted to my ex about it because I can trust him with anything, especially since he lives in Hawaii right now. Which is dope. Uh, <laughs> last night I was talking to him and asked if he had met anyone cute. And he said he was with her. And I don't, I don't know why, but I felt like I got kicked in the throat when he told me that he liked her. Maybe it's just because he was my first love, a natural boyfriend. And we had so many experiences with each other. That's why it bothers me. But I don't understand because, like I've said, he's dated other girls. And I've been in a relationship for almost a year and a half now. Mm. Sasha. This is Rocky Waters. This is Rocky Waters. So right off the bat, just listening to that, it sounds like you're having some internal issues. Like things aren't great with the boy toy right now. And it's really easy to talk to someone that you feel comfortable with and you feel like isn't a threat. But you're kind of making him a threat. Yeah. You're making him a threat by putting him on this pedestal and saying like, he's someone I can just talk to. But it's like. A large part of love is feeling connection and, like, the ability to talk about anything candidly. And you're giving that kind of portion to this guy that you've had a relationship before. And, like, as terrible as it sounds, once you've dated someone, it's very hard to have, like, completely separate feelings. At least that's how I feel. Like, unless it's a very long time. Yeah. I suppose it's difficult because he was your first love and you feel comfortable with him. But you guys, like, broke up for a reason. Yeah. And it's, so it's important to acknowledge that, you know. Absolutely. And also, I think, just be honest with yourself. Like, if you feel like you're using your ex as a, as kind of like a reason as to... As a distraction. Yeah, as a distraction or a reason to not be interested in your current boyfriend anymore. Maybe it's just because you're not attracted to your current boyfriend yeah, anymore. Yeah, maybe that's it. Like, maybe you guys had a good run and it was really fun, but, you know... Because let's face it, like, there's going to be someone like your ex, but better... In every single way. Yeah. And if your current boyfriend isn't that... Or more, more better for you. Yeah. So more suited. More suited. So, like, if your new boyfriend's not doing it for you and your old boyfriend is, you have to think, like, okay, maybe it's because I don't like my new boyfriend. Also, there's a person out there that's my ex-boyfriend times a million. There you go. So it's, it's important to keep on looking if the <laughs> guy you're with now is not someone you think you're going to be for, for a while. Yeah. And also, like, if you feel like... You are getting jealous because your ex-boyfriend is getting a new girlfriend. But this is the first time you felt jealous since you guys broke up. That sounds like you have feelings for him again. Yeah. I'll say that right now. Now, that might be just me reading into something. But I think you need to take a little, a little internal temperature of your emotions right now. And see where you're at yeah. before you make any kind of decision. But also just know that love is messy. And if it ends up being something where you're like, I don't know if I'm really interested in my dude right now, or maybe I have feelings for my ex, all of that is something that can be navigated with honesty. Yes, it can. Yeah. 
So honest is key, especially when it comes to lovey-dovey relationships, because things can get sticky real quick if you have unrequited love for an ex. Boom. There we go. Nice one. Agony aunt. Ooh, that's me. That's a British thing. We have, we have like something else. Really? Yeah. Dear Abby. Dear Arden. Dear Arden up in here. Okay, thank you so much for your question, Sasha. Good luck with everything. Yeah, good luck. I believe in you to make the right decision. Thank you guys so much for all of your amazing questions this episode. Uh, if you have anything else to add, if you have any questions, or if you have any cool conspiracy theories you want to tell us about, feel free to send us a voicemail at 424-262-6824 or 424-26-COUCH and leave us a voicemail letting us know if you have any other fan theories that we need to know about that are 100% amazing or if you have any info on where the closest snuggler we can hire is and or backscritcher. And I'm going to be offering uh, snuggles for twenty twenty dollars a piece. Now, don't say that because people will take you up on that. Well, <laughs> actually, I you know I don't I don't know if I prefer being the snuggler or the snuggly. <laughs> so I'll I'll how about I'll pay twenty dollars to have someone come snuggle me, or you just you just pay me twenty dollars. I was going to gonna say someone come snuggle I don't think me. you realize like we are a couple in, a, in an <laughs> ideal world. Yeah, you pay me what for me to get snuggled. D- how about we just do that? No, you do not. No, that's not how this works. Um, if you don't feel like sharing your loverly, loverly voice with us over voicemail, you can also email us at crashonmycouchshow at gmail.com. That's crashonmycouchshow at gmail.com. Also tweet us at Arden Rose and at Will Derbyshire with hashtag crashonmycouch. If you have anything else that you would like to add to this episode or if you have any comments to express after listening to this episode, we would love to hear from you. Yes, we would. And on that note, thank you so much for joining us on our third episode Woo! of Crash on My Couch. We're going we're gonna, to uh, high five so you can all hear it. Ready? And bang. You, you hear, hear that? that? That was a high five. That was a high five. It was definitely not both of us slapping our legs at the same time. No, it wasn't. That was us slapping our legs. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes for more episodes. And make sure to rate us and leave a very nice review. We'll be back next week, so make sure to tune in. Tune in. Listen in. And thank you for listening right now. Thank you. Bye. We'll see you bye, next bye, week. Bye. bye. Thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street, producer, Emma Kakuchi, my manager, Byron Ashley, and for production assistance from Alan Ortega. This podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.